Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Good morning. My name is Wes, associate pastor here at North. It is good to be with you this morning. Thank you for joining us online this morning. We are continuing in the series of Revelation. We have a powerful message for you this morning, and the message is God has a redemptive plan for us, for all of humanity, actually. God is, he has been, he is, and he will be continuing to tell his story forever. And this morning, we get to look at God's victories and how we fit into God's story and his redemptive plan. His redemptive plan for you as an individual, his redemptive plan for me as an individual, for our community here at North, our community here in Scottsdale, Phoenix, our, our nation, and then our world. God has a redemptive plan, and that's why uh, our mission here at North is to love God, love one another, and love the world. And part of that redemptive plan that God has called us to here at North is to do local outreach here in our community, as well as international missions uh, around the world. So I'm going to invite my team this morning uh, that went to Tanzania in late June, first part of July. And as part of participating in God's redemptive story, uh, we have a, a mission in Tanzania that we're going to hear a little bit more about this morning if you're not familiar with. And this team got a chance to, to go and just love on these kids, participating in what the Lord is doing through this redemptive plan. And so in Tanzania, there is, you know, signs of uh, sin and evil and uh, anxiety and suffering, uh, just like there is here in different ways. And they have their own versions of that there. And there's also joy and peace and hope that they experience as well. And so we just get to join people in that. And so give it up for this team that went to Tanzania this summer. So here's a couple ways for you to respond. One, we have our missions and outreach wall that is right over here, and it literally has a map and different ways in which we are involved north here and called into the local community and around the world. Check that out. Under way out, we actually have a picture of our missions and outreach committee on there. So you can see the 12 folks that serve so faithfully behind the scenes to help us uh, figure out what the Lord is doing through our church and, and around the world. So go check that out and then also stop by the table and just like they were saying, meet some of those, some of those needs. And continuing with this theme of participating in God's redemptive plan, let's go to Revelation 6 today, which is where we're going to go in Scripture. Last week, Jay spoke about this scroll that we have, that is seen in John's vision. And what do we know about this scroll? The scroll is unopened at this point because it has seven seals on this scroll. And John is upset by this. John is bothered by the fact that this scroll is unopened or unable to be opened at that time, which tells us that what is on this scroll represents all that is good and all that is hopeful. And in this scene where John sees this scroll, you have, this, you have God the Father who is on the throne. And next to him you have Jesus in the form of lion, the Lion of Judah. Jesus as the root of David. And Jesus as the slain lamb. And it's the slain lamb in this scene that holds the power, the authority, the hope, and the call to open each of these seven seals on this scroll to reveal God's redemptive plan 
for the world. So in this scene, we have the scroll, represents God's redemptive plan. It's something special, it's positive. We have the seven seals that are holding them closed. And what we know from scripture is that the number seven represents completeness or wholeness or even perfection. We see it several times in scripture. It starts off in God's word where God tells us about the seven days of creation. It represents perfection and wholeness. We actually see in the book of Genesis about 15 different references to the number seven and its representation of perfection. We actually see in all of scripture about 735 of these references to the number seven and completeness. Some of them, you know, Jesus gives seven statements while he's on the cross, while he's being crucified. Peter, we know Peter, Peter's all passionate, right? He's jumping in the water, he's cutting people's ears off. He goes to Jesus and he's like, I have a great answer, I have a great question for you and I'm actually gonna give you the answer. He says to Jesus, how many times should we forgive? Seven? Because that's the complete whole number. And Jesus one-ups him and he goes, actually, you need to forgive people 70 times seven. Jesus goes all infinity and beyond on him there. We are to forgive that many times. Completeness upon completeness. In Revelation, we have the seven churches, the seven spirits of God. Throughout the book of Revelation, we see seven different blessings. And of course, here we have the seven seals. Of course, we know the main character of the book of Revelation is Jesus. And only the slain lamb can open these seals. Only the slain lamb represents the hope and the authority. As the scroll represents God's redemptive plan, the seals on top of the scroll represent something completely different. These seals represent sin and evil and death and destruction and the kingdoms of this world. Revelation 1.1 tells us that things that soon must take place in order for God to carry out his redemptive plan. And this is what we get to see are the things that take place. So here's a couple pictures of the scroll. I think we've been seeing them up here uh, here for the last couple minutes. So this is kind of a scroll that's opened, right? And you can, you can read the words that are on there. I'm a visual learner, so I have to think of it this way. The next one is this picture of a scroll that would have been rolled up. Okay, so this scroll would have been in a manner that you could not have read it. And then here's a picture of a scroll with seven seals. We don't know exactly what the scroll looked like. This is someone's idea of what it looked like, but this is you know, a depiction. This is kind of a more fancier version of, of a scroll. I kind of picture in my head, because we don't actually know what it looked like, I picture in my head like a massive scroll with these massive seals that are on it. And it almost like, it's almost glowing because God's redemptive plan is, it just wants to explode out and tell us about it. That's why these seals are holding them in so tightly. So when we look at Revelation 6, we, we do this. We see what John sees, and we hear what John hears. So let's go to the passage. Now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, Come! And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him. And he came out conquering and to conquer. 
When he opened the second seal, I heard a second living creature say, Come. And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people should slay one another, and he was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard a third living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse, and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of those four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of a fourth living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and with wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, the full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that was being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of God, the wrath of the Lamb. For that great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Just some light reading. <laughs> now, as you can see, we do not get to the seventh seal. We actually get to the seventh seal in chapter 8. So what is going on with these six seals? We see creatures in the form of four horses. We hear an invitation to come and to see and to come and hear. We see destruction, pain, famine, Injustice, fear, death, God's people, the sword, disasters, and more. So what is going on here? What are we to take away from this passage? John is seeing a vision of reality. John is seeing our world. A reality that our world is broken and has suffering and pain as a result of sin, and evil. A reality that our world is broken right now. Each of these realities we are experiencing right now on the earth. Are there now conquering of powers on the earth? Is there war? 
other fights, other worldly kingdoms that are taking up the sword to take others down. Yes, absolutely. Are there areas of our world right now that do not have peace? Is there a lack of peace inside individuals, communities, nations, and around the world? Absolutely. Does injustice happen in our world? Do the scales of justice and injustice lean one way or the other? Does justice reign perfectly in our world? No. There is injustice. Does famine and death run rampant in our world? Absolutely. Do faithful Christians following Jesus feel fear and pain and die and sometimes die at the hands of the powers of this world? And are those martyrs waiting for us in heaven right now? Yes. Are there natural disasters, destruction, and fear of death? Absolutely. This is our reality that John saw in this vision. This has always been our reality from the beginning of human existence because of sin, evil, and worldly kingdom realities on the earth. Will this continue into the future? Yes. That's why we have a slain lamb to seek and to save the lost and to be the answer for all of these realities. Now here's a picture of what I think of when I think of the seven seals. Those are, those are cute, right? Uh, reading about all this uh, destruction, I need a little reprieve, and so what's not better than a couple cute seals, right? The seven seals uh, that I have up there. But that's, that's kind of the point, right? It's kind of the point that, that we need a break from all this destruction, even though there is death and destruction that has been, is now, and will be in the future, we have a Jesus that has an authority and a power and a hope that changes everything. And we don't have to live in this reality forever. We will get a break from that reality when we live in the reality of God's redemptive plan. So here's a picture of what actually summarizes the first six seals. As you can see, the first seal is opened and we see the white horse that represents conquering of world and worldly powers on the earth. The second seal is opened and we see the red horse that represents a lack of peace on the earth. The third seal is opened and we see a black horse that represents a lack of justice. The scales of justice are off. The fourth seal is opened and we see a pale horse that represents famine, sickness, and death. The fifth seal is opened and we see the faithful martyrs that died because of their faith and the many other believers that are waiting in heaven for a future gathering of all believers. The sixth seal is opened and we see natural disasters, destruction, and fear of all people from the evil and sin that is throughout the earth. And we are waiting to discover what happens with the seventh seal. I believe there's a progression here. I believe John, when he sees this vision, he sees a progression, and this is what our world has experienced from the beginning of time, and we're experiencing now, we'll experience in the future. When there are worldly powers that conquer, there's a lack of peace. When there's a lack of peace, there's a lack of justice. 
When there's a lack of justice, there's death and famine. When there's death and famine, there's death to believers because of their faith and then a waiting period. And then there are disasters, destruction, and the fear of death. It's a progression that John is seeing in this vision. And as a result of the curse of sin that we see in Genesis 3, when we take control of our own life, our own circumstances, when we take the place of God in our life, that the powers of this world will destroy us and the people around us. But when we let God be God and submit to his kingdom and his redemptive plan, we see hope and peace that is only found through Jesus and his ways. Revelation 6 simply gives us insight into the realities of this world. Sticking to the text of Revelation 6 and not adding anything into the text that isn't there, we get representations of realities that we live in, that we've lived in in the past, live in now, and will happen in the future. Now, obviously, there's times with, throughout culture, throughout history, throughout certain places that have experienced more of the pain, more of the suffering, more of the destruction, and then there's times when certain cultures, certain times, experience less of this destruction. You may be experiencing some pain in your life right now, suffering that you don't understand. Maybe you know someone that's experiencing those things. You may be, be doing great right now. You have so much joy. You just want to tell everyone about it. Your life's going pretty smoothly. Maybe there's a mix. Maybe there's some gross stuff going on. Maybe there's some stuff that you're willing and excited to celebrate. But the good and bad seems to ebb and flow throughout history and throughout our lives. All in the same scene with this destruction that we see when these six seals are removed. All within the same scene of that, the destruction and pain, there is a throne. And God the Father is on the throne, and there's a slain lamb who is Jesus, and there is singing and worshiping. How does that happen? The slain lamb must be that worthy of our worship that even in the midst of this scene where we see all this stuff that we just read about, there's singing and worshiping. The reason we can do that is because God is over all, through all, and in all. It says in Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. It says in Romans 8, 37 through 39, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what's our takeaway today? What's our takeaway from Revelation 6? I have two things I want you to consider, and I think we have to hold these things in tension with one another. 
And the first is this. When we see, feel, hear, or experience the sin and evil of this world, remind yourself that God is on the throne. At the same time that you're reminding yourself when you see, hear, or experience this pain, you're telling yourself what is true. God is on the throne. Don't worry. You can worship and sing. At the same time, let's mourn with, feel compassion for, and be light and hope for people experiencing evil in this world because it's the love of Jesus that compels us. So how do you, how do, you do that? How do you hold in one hand this reality that God's on the throne, that he's got it, that we don't have to worry, and that we can celebrate and worship in song, and at the same time, live in this world and mourn with those who mourn. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure that if you're sitting down with someone and they're pouring their heart out to you and they've just expressed something that's really difficult that they experienced or they heard that someone close to them experienced, probably not the first thing that comes out of your mouth is, well, God's on the throne don't worry, go ahead and worship. It just feels disjointed and not necessarily meeting people, joining people where they are at. What Jesus modeled for us and what God the Father who is on the throne models for us is that he joins us in our pain and in our suffering. He doesn't always take it away. Sometimes, But what he always does is meets us where we're at. That's what he models for us. We know that he's the slain lamb. We know that he has ultimate authority. We know that God is on the Father. We know that there should be worship in song. And yet, in our own life, let's say we experience some sort of trauma or pain or loss. You can tell yourself if you want, God's on the throne, he's got it, don't worry. Go ahead and worship. But you may not be. You may be short-circuiting actually experiencing that pain and suffering so you can allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Feel all the feels. Think all the thoughts and take all of them to him and allow him to minister to you without short-circuiting the process. And we do the same thing with other people. We get to join in other people's Suffering, like is modeled for us in this passage, there is death and destruction. There is pain. Is the reality that there's joy, there's worship, and God has authority over everything? Yes. But he chooses to join us in the pain and in the suffering. Ultimately, we will celebrate. We will be without that in heaven because of the slain lamb. But until then, our call is to join others, to mourn with those who mourn. Join in their lives. So practically today, what could that look like? Extremely practical. Maybe it's stopping by the Tanzania table on the way out and saying and joining in this ministry that is meeting people where they're at. They're mourning with people who mourn. They're having joy with people who have joy, and they're, they're joining with them in their journey, like 
is modeled for us in this passage. Maybe it's grabbing shoeboxes on the way out, bringing those back next week. Maybe it's praying with a coworker who has just shared something with you. Maybe you don't even like the coworker very much. But you know that there's something they're going through and you ask to pray for them. And maybe in your prayer, you don't say, God, we know you got this all handled. So, you know, thanks for that. Maybe in your prayer, you just say, hey, encourage them. Give them something to look forward to. Meet them where they're at. Meet them in their pain and suffering like we see in this passage. Maybe it's inviting someone over to your house that you don't know very well and that falls outside of your normal circle of friends. Maybe it's showing hospitality to someone else so that you can ultimately join them in their journey. Maybe it's joining a small group. Maybe it's joining a community group here at North where you get to do life with people. You get to find out where they're mourning. You get to find out where they have joy. You get to ultimately be a part of their life and their conversation. Maybe it's sharing your own pain and weakness and suffering with someone else so they can join you in that journey and be a part of it with you. Let's consider how we may participate in God's redemptive plan by joining people in their joys and in their suffering. Ultimately, God is on the throne, and we may say that. We may say God's on the throne. Don't worry. Let's worship. But maybe we'll say that through joining people in their life, loving them as Jesus loved them and pointing them to Jesus. Let me pray. God, I thank you that your word tells us that your love is above everything, that you are in all, through all, and above all. And as hard as it is to read all the realities of what's going on in our world, past, present, and future, we know that there is a hope that's found in you. And we just want to participate in that. Be used as you would have us used. Thank you that you are our hope and our peace. In your name, amen. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. We have our prayer partners that are going to be joining over here as well as our mission wall. Check it out. On your way out, you can put your tithes and offerings in the boxes. Also, submit your requests so we can be praying for those. If you're online with us this morning, you can submit those online as well. We'll be praying for those starting uh, Tuesday morning. And so we love to, to pray for and with you guys for those things. I, my prayer today for you as you leave is that you find ways that you can uh, join with people in their joys and in their sufferings. And like Jesus showed us here uh, in, in all humility, join people in their life so we can ultimately point them to God the Father who is on the throne. I love you guys. We'll see you this week. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, 
love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.